Hello and welcome to Facing Race. I'm your host, Layla Schultz-Ames. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about Women's History Month and feminism. Stay tuned. Okay, so I know I did this last year, but I'm doing another Women's History Month episode because just like Black history, women's history is really everybody's history. It doesn't matter your race, your religion, your creed. We all should be learning about women in our country and around the world as well. So let's jump in. I guess I'll start with the question of where are we today in women's history and where are we with the fight for equality? Have we actually made any progress? So I guess for me, as obvious as, you know, someone it's for me, I was, you know, someone who was in Girl Scouts and, you know, who was surrounded by strong women. I guess I've always tried, you know, to believe the idea that we as women, we have the power to reject any attempt to make us feel small or subordinate or less than. So for me, I always felt that we were always able to do everything, that we were always, you know, right in there with a fight for equality that would definitely, you know, achieve one day would achieve equal pay, that would be in politics, that we would take over the world. I guess I always felt that women were equal and that women were able to do whatever it is they wanted. Um, but I will say here the key word is feel, right? And and as an African-American, I was always and still am always acutely aware that a person and, you know, a woman in particular could be shoved into kind of a lower rank in a very real and profound way. I mean, in, in the not so distant past, you know, laws could dictate where you could live or work or what you could and couldn't do with your body and whether you could get a business license or own property or vote. And a lot of these customs and social mores can, you know, really keep women out of the boardroom and the clubhouse or any space that they want to occupy. Um, But obviously, you know, no one actually has the power to reach inside of you, if you will, and kind of turn down that dial on your self-confidence. That's who you are, that's your self-confidence. So I think women have always had that. I think women have always had that strength to believe in themselves and believe that they're able to do whatever it is that they want. So, I mean, you know, we kind of look around sometimes in the news and we look at the world and we say, well, are things changing for the better? And I, I guess the answer is yes and no. I mean, if we look at history, you know, we look at The Equal Rights Amendment, for example, first drafted in 1923, seemed certain to be ratified by the early 1970s, but it stalled. And, you know, we are now in another movement of of sweeping progress, most evident in the hashtag MeToo movement, uh, which obviously was an astounding upwelling of really emboldened and and infuriated women just saying, hey, you know, time's up, no more sexual harassment, no more assault. And that revolt has produced this new wave of legislation, of greater awareness, of immediate consequences, you know, really for for men who had previously sort of gotten a pass, right? Or kind of a slap on the wrist for a lot of this predatory behavior. And if we look around the world, around the globe, women are gaining unprecedented power. Uh, They hold a majority of seats in the lower house of Rwanda's legislature. Here in Spain, nearly two-thirds of the Spanish government's cabinet ministers are women. The only country that banned women from driving, Saudi Arabia, has finally allowed it after 
uh, years and years of years of, of really cracking down on that. And, you know, women have led almost a third of the world's countries. So we're, we're out there. We're, we're making, making the world a better place. And sports, you know, even in sports, the women's, U.S. women's national soccer team dominated the World Cup. And it's outperformed the U.S. men's team in victories and viewerships pop culture status, everything. Um, When you mention American soccer today, the women are the ones who symbolize the sport, not the guys. But we still live in a time when those megastars are fighting, you know, in court to ensure that they're paid the same as men. Scratch that. It's actually not even about equal pay for equal work. It's equal pay for really, honestly, more successful work. But, you know, that being said, I digress. Really, for centuries, women have been viewed as this weaker, more vulnerable gender, and they've sort of been considered inferior. Uh, And and a lot of that, you know, has to do with social constructs and and scientific research. But, you know, it's interesting, uh, according to this British journalist, Angela Sinai, she wrote a book called Inferior, How Science Got Women Wrong, and the new research that's rewriting the story. And it's really interesting. She argues that male scientists use their studies and influence to amplify their own attitudes about gender and also racial inequality. And so the results of their work is, is essentially sexism, right? Is essentially saying, you know, that women are scientifically and genetically inferior when obviously we now know that's not the case. And, you know, to make sure that women didn't have the chance to prove the science wrong, they were denied the ability to really flex their own intellect and develop their talents and, you know, be in, in spaces where they could get educated and become scientists on their own. So much of the research that tagged women as sort of the weaker sex and you know, we, we obviously know now it's very flawed and it's biased. And a, a body of work counters that early science, you know, showing that women possessed intellectual cap- capabilities equal to their male counterparts, a lot of these were really uh, downplayed, right? Um, and, you know, we could argue, you could have the conversation of, oh, you know, men usually have greater physical strength and, you know, they have a height or weight advantage. But, you know, there's actually been studies that showed that women have a distinct edge when it comes to resilience and long-term survival. So women are not as helpless as, as they were often thought to be. But again, I guess women, we kind of already knew that to begin with. So the question is then, why do men hold more power than women today? Why does gender inequality persist? Well, the explanation is so often, ah, you know what? It's just the way it is. I mean, it's just how it's been. But I mean, I think we can all agree that's not good enough. Okay. So, I mean, take Asia, for example, slightly more than half of the region's women work and those women are paid less than men. Gender norms, barriers to education, cultural issues could maintain that status quo. And, and researchers warn that, you know, countries impeding the advancement of women will pay a really steep price. Uh, the consulting firm McKenzie & Company estimates that the regional economy would gain as much as $4.5 trillion, yes, that's like trillion, in annual GDP by 2025 if women were no longer sidelined in the Asian workforce. So 
there's a lot that could be done if we see women more, if we see them in the boardroom, if we see them in meetings next to each other, if, if we see them in leadership positions and politics, a lot can happen, right? And, you know, as a society, we, we demonstrate a lot of surprise or sort of like trepidation, right? When women start taking the reins of power because it's still kind of this novel concept. And women who become police chiefs or ship captains or construction supervisors are not, you know, they're sort of seen as unicorns, right? And and a lot of times the greatest barrier that women have to overcome is experience because there's been so many studies that find men are often hired for potential. Oh, look, he has the potential to be great. Oh, he seems like he'd be so hardworking and smart. Well, women with the same experience, they're deemed underqualified. And a big issue is that power has been denied, right, to women. And, and and obviously these issues come, you know, continue to be a big issue. And, you know, as as we've been dealing with for the past year plus with women's rights and a woman's right to choose. And we even saw this recently, uh, last week, according to The Guardian, five women were denied abortions in Texas, um, and they, along with two doctors, are suing the state because they were refused these abortions, despite suffering severe complications with their pregnancies. So none of the plaintiffs' plaintiffs' fetuses had a chance of survival. The state's abortion bans are supposed to allow for the procedure in cases where there is a fatal diagnosis for the fetus, as well as when the pregnancy possesses substantial harm to the pregnant woman's health. Yet, under a lot of these overlapping abortion bans that are in effect in Texas, a lot of doctors are basically being threatened with, you know, losing their medical licenses or having to pay fines or facing years in jail. So there's a lot of fear in the medical community. And essentially what happened is that the plaintiffs claim that they were not given the health care they needed and were entitled to. So uh, this is really interesting and uncharted territory, right, of of a lot of these states kind of trying to operate, you know, post Roe v. Wade and, and how they're going to do what, you know, I think what these women are doing in Texas is really just trying to take back the power and take back the fact that it's, again, really their their body and they feel that they should have been given proper medical care. Uh, another issue that came up recently was Walgreens and the morning after pill. So Walgreens said last Friday that it would not dispense mifeprostine, which is the the first of two drugs, right, given in the medication process to terminate a pregnancy. And it basically came after attorney generals, about 20 states, all Republican states, wrote a letter to Walgreens and pharmacy chain CVS warning them of legal consequences if they sold the drug by mail. So the announcement affects also states like Alaska, Ohio, I'm sorry, Iowa, Kansas, and Montana, where abortion and medication for the procedure are legal. So then on Monday, Walgreens said in in this news release that they, they put out that once it was certified by the Food and Drug Administration to sell it, that they would dispense the medication consistent with federal and state laws. 
So since that announcement, though, there's been wide call. There's been a widespread call from activists and critics, basically saying, you know what, we need to boycott Walgreens, and it's it has about nine thousand or so uh, retail stores stores across the U.S. So then, after all of this happened in California, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, who's who's a Democrat, said on Monday that the state would not be doing business with Walgreens or any company that is, you know, really sort of in this game, right, of of trying to balance, you know, this whole political thing of, oh, we don't want to make any of these uh, Republican politicians angry and we don't want to do anything that may or may not be legal and the whole thing. So a lot of women now all over the U.S. are are calling, you know, for boycott of Walgreens and, and trying to put pressure on their Congress people as well to to really stand up and, and say something. So a lot of this, you know, even in 2023, a lot of this is still happening and it's still you know, just it feels like people in government really attempting to take power away from women or preventing them from, you know, even trying to get the power in the first place. And this is something that we obviously can't have in this country and in the United States and Spain and any country. And, uh, you know, whether it's people telling women, women what they can do with their bodies or it's an issue with, you know, equal pay a lot of it is about needing to come together and and regain power. That being said, you know, fortunately, there is a generation of women that I think are really, really challenging this in all all ways and in all business industries. Uh, you have people like U.S. soccer star Megan Rapinoe, uh, tennis great Sonia Williams. There's a CEO, the General Motors CEO, Mary Tibara. Of course, Oprah, you have all the women who inspired the Me Too movement, all these people in, in every you know way that are coming together, rising up to challenge a system that has disregarded women's rights for decades. And the only solution really is to make sure that women and girls are no longer made to feel inferior. And let's make sure they know their power and their place, which is equal to men. Okay, so since March is Women's History Month, I want to highlight several women that I consider to be important. Some of them are maybe more famous than others, but overall, I think all of them really deserve to be mentioned and recognized. And maybe they're not people that we might see in textbooks, but they're still important, you know, in, in, well, what I'll say is her story. So let's take a look. Uh, Number one, 1940s, Naomi Parker. So you might not recognize the name, but you've probably definitely seen the photo of Parker bending over machinery with her hair pulled back in a red bandana, which actually became the inspiration behind the famous Rosie the Riveter. So a version of Rosie was published in the Saturday Evening Post in 1943 in a patriotic campaign to basically get women into the workforce while the men were away fighting. And this iconic photo was originally created as a poster with the phrase, we can do it. And that's since obviously become very famous and people have now made into shirts and bumper stickers and memes and all kinds of things. So Naomi Parker was the woman who was the real woman behind that. Number two, 1950s. Althea Gibson. 
We know that Serena Williams is probably the most famous tennis player on earth for good reason, but she might not have gotten her start if not for the persistence of Althea Gibson. So in 1951, Gibson made her historic debut as the first African-American woman to play in Wimbledon. That was a big deal because back in the 50s, I mean, even nowadays, but particularly in the 50s, you didn't see black people in tennis. You didn't see black women, particularly women even, playing tennis. So she really, really opened those doors and made it possible for us to see people like Naomi Osaka or Venus and Serena Williams. Okay, number three, 1960s, Margaret Sanger. Sanger, who was a feminist and a women's rights activist, actually coined the term birth control. She was the one that wrote pamphlets. She opened a women's health clinic um, and she was able to get the Food and Drug Administration to approve the first oral contraceptive, Enovid, in 1960. She ended up dying six years later in 1966, but obviously what she did for women, uh, what she did for women's rights was something that lasted for decades and decades and it really gave women a lot. You know, we were talking about power in the earlier segment. It gave women really power over their own bodies. Number three, 1960s and 1970s, Shirley Chisholm. So in 1968, Chisholm made history when she became the first black woman to be elected into Congress. She was a Brooklyn-born lady. She was an activist. She was a political leader. She later entered the 1975 Democratic presidential race, uh, the first woman and first black American to do so. And even though obviously we know that she didn't become president, she really changed the face of politics. She made people realize that women, particularly black women, really did have a seat at the table when it comes to politics and when it comes to having a voice in Congress. Okay, number four, Junko Tabai, 1970s. So Junko Tabai was a mountaineer. She really shattered a lot of gender norms. And, and in 1975, she became the first woman to successfully climb Mount Everest. She really later strengthened her legacy because she became the first woman ever to reach the seven peaks. That would be the highest points of the Earth's seven continents in 1992. So pretty impressive. I think it's impressive for anybody, but obviously as, you know, as a woman and, and kind of in that field where mountaineering is, has always been sort of more male dominated, she was able to, to do it. Uh, next, number five, Amy Tan, 1980s. So Tan was the author of the famous Joy Luck Book Club, or whether Joy Luck Club is the name of the book. And a lot of it is about exploring the relationships between Chinese women and their Chinese American daughters. It was a huge success. It was the longest running New York Times bestseller in 1989, translated into 25 different languages since it was first published. And she became really a famous, famous author and something that uh, really, you know, shed light on a lot of stories and sort of gave voice to, to Chinese and Chinese American people. Okay, next, number six, Madeleine Albright, 1990s. So Albright became the first female Secretary of State when in, in 1996, President Clinton selected her to represent the U.S. in foreign affairs. She was an advocate for human rights. She fought to prevent the expansion of nuclear weapons, and she did a lot with uh, brokering peace in the Middle East. So she's someone that a lot of people knew, obviously a figure that was very famous, um, but 
you know, this was a, a position that you, you just never, you know, people never thought to put a woman in that position until, until she, she became, you know, the first one in 96. And number seven, we have Sonia Sotomayor, 2000. So Justice Sotomayor was appointed to the Supreme Court in 2009 by President Obama, and she was the first ever Hispanic woman to serve on the highest court in the land. Um, you know, now obviously we've we've seen a lot of changes in the Supreme Court, good and bad. Um, at least you know now we have the first African American woman on the Supreme Court. So you know there have has been changes, but really you know Sotomayor paved the way, I think, for uh, a lot of times for for women of color in um, both the Supreme Court, but also just in in that overall world as well of of law and, and judges and, and politics. So, um, these are just a few women that I wanted to, to touch on because obviously I could speak for forever about, you know, different women, famous women and, and all of that. Um, but you know, just a general thank you to all women, um, these women and also just women who are famous and not famous and, you know, women in, in the Me Too movement, women in the, you know, Time's Up movement, just women in the Black Lives Matter movement, women who have really paved the way for other women and who have continued to fight, uh, even though it's 2023 and we shouldn't have to, but they continue to, to fight to make sure the world is a better place for women in the future. Okay, it's time for Ask a Black Friend, but this week is actually going to be Ask a Female Friend, or a few. So my topic is really, well, so no one really asked me a question this week. So what I wanted to talk about for this segment is feminism. And so my question just that I have that I'm asking other people is why is feminism such a bad word? Well, the simple answer is really isn't a bad word. I mean, by definition, feminism is the belief in social, economic, and political equality of the sexes. Feminism is merely about believing in gender equality and treating all genders equally. Anyone who does this is a feminist. Unfortunately, it's often misinterpreted or twisted for other beliefs. So a recent poll found that less than one in five women call themselves feminists. We often hear people saying, oh, I'm not a feminist. I, I support gender equality, but uh, you know what? Honestly, that sentence is ridiculous. I'm just going to say it. I mean, many of us understand that feminism is, is associated with misandry. And, you know, we get that it's just, it's a movement, right, about you know, oh, this is rebellious women who fight, you know, and march to their rights. They hate men, they hate men, they're, you know, women only, they're pro-abortion, all this stuff. Like, we all understand this, you know, concept and kind of the stereotype that has been thrown around. But, you know, some men think that this movement is about making them powerless. And if that's the case, if that's, you know, really kind of this thought that a lot of people have, then I think they've got feminism wrong, right? I think in the patriarchal society we live in, I think feminism 
isn't really as encouraged as it should be. And it shouldn't just be something like, oh, women, you know, you all you women just want equal rights. It's like, actually, when you think about it, we should all be feminists because we all have, well, mothers. We all, you know, we might have sisters, girlfriends, daughters. We all have, we all know women. So we should all be on board with the idea of feminism. So feminism is not a bad word. It never was. I mean, not really. And it never will be. Anyone who attempts to convince you that it is, they're kind of making sure that the patriarchy succeeds, right? It's about believing and and treating all genders equally like they deserve to be treated. It's not that complicated when you when you break it down, you know. And again, I just want to make a point, too, about what feminism is and isn't, at least in my opinion, my belief. Misandry is not the same as feminism, right? Misandry and feminism are both super different. And I think, again, there's a lot of confusion sometimes. It's it's like, you know, they're not synonyms. Misandry is, is about the hatred against men. And feminism is regarding equality of all the genders. So someone who hates men is not, you know, saying that genders are equal. They're saying that men are bad or men are evil. And, and so it's not identical when, when feminists or when people say, you know, oh, yeah, women, we deserve to speak up for ourselves. We deserve to have whatever job we want. We deserve to be in politics or, you know, to, to own land or whatever. That's, that's not saying that we don't want men in our life. It's not saying that men aren't needed is saying that women should do what they need to do, what they want to do. So I think, you know, in my opinion, feminism is the idea that women are just as able and capable to do what it is that they want, and they have the freedom, and they should have the freedom to do it. So for me, I consider myself a feminist because I never felt that being a woman ever stopped me from achieving my goals. And I think all women should have the ability to follow their dreams, whatever those may be. So if that's being a mom, if that's, you know, hiking Everest, if that's being on the Supreme Court, if that's being a an Oscar winning actress, whatever that is, you know, you have the, that opportunity and you can do that as a woman. So, I, you know, that's just, again, it's my opinion, right? And I know on this show, I do a lot of talking. I mostly do all the talking and I mostly share a lot of my own opinions. So in order to make this a little bit more interesting, so it's not just people listening to me talk, I decided to go out and ask several of my friends what they thought. And their answers were really honest, candid, open, and honestly, amazing. So have a listen about what they had to say when it comes to feminism and whether or not they believe they are feminists. To me, being feminist means that you believe in the equality between feminine and masculine. I feel like as things become more progressive, you can't just say equality between the sexes anymore because it's important to note that feminism includes not only cisgendered women, but also trans women, uh, women of color, women of all ages. And I think it's also important to remember that feminism also includes feminine energy. So when we think about maybe a cisgendered straight male crying or showing softer emotions, that is something that 
feminism would support because it goes against toxic masculinity and it supports the softness of feminine energy. I think being a feminist means that you build these values of lifting up the feminine in your own daily life, but also that you take the time and the energy to try to make sure that the equality between feminine and masculine is happening in the circles that you have influence in. So in your friends' circles, in your professional circles, uh, with the people who you care about, you're entering into these discussions and you don't shy away from helping to lift up the feminine, other women, uh, and, and soft sort of feminine energy in all of the places that you can. I do consider myself a feminist and I think it's very important because everybody can benefit from feminism. That is something that I feel is misconstrued in today's society when feminism is thought of as something as super liberal or very leftist um, and maybe at times even a bit violent, but feminism is truly for everybody, regardless of what your age, your gender, your sex, your sexuality. Um, society would be a better place if feminine energy was was placed at the same level that masculine energy is. So I consider myself a feminist and I think everybody should consider themselves a feminist. I think that if you identify as a woman and you want to be in charge of yourself, you are a feminist. I think that if you know someone who identifies as a woman and you think they should be in charge of themselves and self-determining, then you are a feminist. I think that feminism means equal and equitable rights and opportunities for people of all sexes and genders. And I think that it's an action and not just a belief. It's a way that you see the world and a way that you interact with the world. And it's something, it's a principle, but it also guides how you interact with the world and the actions that you take. I also think it has to be inclusive. It has to include women of all races, of all nationalities, women regardless of their gender assigned at birth or their sex assigned at birth, regardless of their weight, their wealth, their ability, their education. Um, why am I a feminist? I guess the easy answer is I was raised as one. Um, I also just don't see another good option. It seems like if you're not a feminist, you're likely part of a problem. And so uh, to me, being a feminist is being part of a solution and a way forward and creating what I hope is an increasingly better world for the folks who live in it and the folks who come after us. When it comes to feminism, I mean, yes, I'm you know, to me, it means wanting equal rights, equal pay for women, the obvious textbook things. But I hate the fact that feminism is even a thing. Um, I know it's played out, but Martin Luther King said, I have a dream that one day my grandchildren will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Why can't that be true for being a woman as well? 
or just for everyone. We're all human beings, and I don't think anyone wants to be uh, wants to be prejudged or told they have to do or be or act or look a certain way, you know, just because they're a woman or just because they're a male. And I also want to add that everyone should be a feminist. Like everyone should be in support of equality for all. I mean, you know, men should want their mothers, wives, daughters, their friends, again, to not be prejudged, not be put in a box, not to feel pressure just based solely on the fact that they're a woman. But again, I feel like that's just part of being human. Like no human should want those things. To be a feminist means to know that a woman's social, economic, political, physical, and intellectual abilities and standings are equal to a man's. I would consider myself a feminist because everything I have done in my life, I've done without a man or even the consideration that I needed a man to accomplish it. Hi, to be a feminist means to fight for equality, to try to leave a better world for our daughters, for women, to fight for our rights, for equal opportunities in the working world, in every field of life. And I'm considering myself a feminist because I think it's the only option women have today. Due to the oppression and all the unfair situations we have to face day by day. Thanks. Well, I guess there is no single way to be a feminist today. I think it can take on very different forms. Essentially, to me, a feminist is someone who believes in equity between genders. And uh, I think this is truly essential for leveling the playing field to ensure that no one's rights are violated due to gender. I think a feminist is any person that takes the risk to stand up for women's rights in all moments. That's those big moments when it comes to laws of equality, but it's also the small moments in business meetings to make sure that women's voices are being heard or advocating for women leaders in a company. I think that I am a feminist, uh, definitely at heart and at moments in reality, but there is more that I could be doing to be an active feminist fighting for a better future for women everywhere. To me, a feminist is a person who recognizes when someone's being treated differently because they identify as female or are identified by others as female. Um, and that person sees how that can be an injustice and tries to level the playing field. I do consider myself a feminist because I'm aware that I form a part of this society that often judges females harsher than males. And I know I have such deep-rooted patriarchal perceptions of the world. Um, and so when I have any thought about another female, that could be deemed negative and I realize that I'm having that thought, I pause and and reevaluate my reaction. You know, I search for the root of it and just 
have a conversation with myself, you know, uninfluenced by all of the things that I've been raised to believe, you know, I just sit with me and ask, was that an appropriate reaction? Or was I just following some heteronormative rule? You know, am I just the asshole here? (laughs) Um, And I think it's important to call out these sexist ideas in yourself and to have people around you that will call them out in you too, because, you know, it's, it's an internal process, a lot of it. But I think that's kind of the brunt work of being a feminist. It's changing the way that we think. Because those ideas that, you know, you internalize are going to become what you put out into the world. I believe that at its core, feminism is the belief that women are equal and deserve equal rights and representation everywhere in society. From legislation that allows us to make our own healthcare decisions, having equal pay in the workforce, equality in our relationships, and even in media. I consider myself to be a feminist because I challenge the status quo and the patriarchal constructs around us. I believe feminism is a verb, it is a practice. So I encourage others to question that status quo and support others around me who do as well. Yes, I do consider myself a feminist. Fortunately, my parents and my grandparents on both sides sort of raised our family that way. Um, And they taught me um, to believe that women's success should be normalized. Women doing whatever they want should be normalized and embraced. Women should be able to wear whatever they want without being judged by other women or men. I believe that gender is a construct and people should express themselves however they want to. Um, I am a feminist because I really get off on hyping my friends and I genuinely am happy about their successes. I am inspired by my friends of all sexes and I'm really proud of them. I believe that all genders are equal and what matters most is being happy um, and what you contribute to the world um, in a positive way, no matter how you do it or who you are. So that is men and women being equal to me. A feminist means fighting for all genders to have equal rights and opportunities. To claim yourself as a feminist, you have to respect diverse women experiences and identities and above all, empower them to be aware of their rights. I do consider myself a feminist because I do empower the women around me. As I mentioned before, being a feminist implies respecting diverse women's experiences and identities and that's exactly what I try to do on a daily basis. To me, being a feminist means as an individual, you make your own choices independently. You really just do what you want and you don't necessarily consider your gender to be something that holds you back or something that should be used against you. I definitely believe in gender equality. That's a really important issue, especially right now. There's been a lot of things happen um, to negatively affect women as well as other groups of people. So I do consider myself a feminist because I'm very independent. I've made a lot of artwork about gender issues and, you know, I come from a very conservative background, but I've rebelled against a lot of these, in my opinion, antiquated standards of, of gender. And I do consider myself non-binary. Um, most people still sing as a woman and that doesn't offend me. So that's 
to me what feminism means. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed to this podcast, all my amazing, strong, powerful female friends, including Izzy, Ricky, Tammy, Shelby, Rosa, Sonia, Angeline, Stacy, Colleen, Felicia, Romina, Heather, and last but not least, Erin. I appreciate all of you for using your voices to stand up for what's right. And I want to end this episode actually with a quote from Judy Anderson. She said, quote, feminism isn't about making women stronger. Women are already strong. It's about changing the way the world perceives that strength, end quote. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.